You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we go any further that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is Monday Football Monday, but this is Tuesday, September 5th. A very happy belated Labor Day to everyone. That's why we were not here on the aforementioned Monday, but we are here nonetheless. Make sure you listen to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. You can also watch this production on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel if that is your cup of tea. The fantastic, the effervescent Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos. As always, my name is RJ Ochoa. Joining me as always, I have Mark Schofield and JP Acosta. Mark, uh, I am so anxious to hear your thoughts on Wikipedia after Toto Wolf put it in a body bag over the weekend. <laughs> that was the strangest comment I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of really strange F1 comments. I've seen a lot of really strange sports comments. But when Max Verstappen wins his 10th straight race to set a new F1 record, Total Wolf's response is it doesn't matter. It's just for Wikipedia. And nobody reads that site anyway, which is just a head scratcher. I mean... I understand Toto's not going to, you know, throw him flowers. He's not going to praise him. He's going to do his total way of, you know, sort of talking it down a little bit. But to dunk on Wikipedia in the process, that was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. JP, what's the last thing that you looked up on Wikipedia? Um. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I was just on Wikipedia a couple of days ago. I, I looked up Jarvis Jones because I was wondering when Jarvis Jones became a staff member at UGA because I thought he was still in the NFL. Okay, well, you know, college football did begin last week. Um, it also ended on Monday for Clemson, at least. Um, that was um, that was special, JP, wasn't it? To see Duke, of all teams. Uh, although, I mean, Duke is kind of Clemson's bugaboo, we learned, uh, thanks to ESPN stats and information. Yeah, it's so weird seeing the entire Twitterverse unite in support of Duke, considering how, how much people hate Duke in March. And it, it truly takes a special villain to get everybody to root for Duke athletics, Duke anything. So I appreciate Clemson for being the villain to take the fall here. It's just, it's so fun watching Dabo kind of flounder for answers when, you know, his offense can barely score and turns the ball over three times. Tough scene. Tough scene indeed. It was a very prosperous weekend. Lots of stuff happening all across the SB Nation universe. Mark has you covered, of course, on everything Italian Grand Prix and otherwise at SB Nation JP uh, with established the fun season two. Has it launched yet or is it what, what's the official launch time? Tell us. Friday. Okay. We'll be back with establish the fun. We're going to be expanding it to college football this year. So we're going to have college football and NFL because football is fun at every level. 
you know, so that's great. Well, be- um, these are two of the hardest working people at SB Nation. Um, and while they're here recording the show every week, SB Nation is dead. Um, so nothing can happen on the website while we're recording or streaming the show. Uh, so tough scene uh, for uh, for the mothership. Uh, today on Monday, Football Monday, we're going to be uh, doing something, Mark, that nobody does in NFL media. No, nobody nobody never ever happens. does. It's a, it's a super unique thing. We're going to go through every division. We're going to tell you who's going to win it. We're going to tell you who's going to be the three wild card teams in both conferences. We're going to tell you who's going to win a handful of different awards. We have a, a few written down, but I'm, I'm open if you guys want to suggest some uh, kind of call an audible. We've got Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, of course, MVP, and then our Super Bowl picks and Super Bowl winner. Um, anything else we should add before we get going that you guys feel passionate about before we, we kind of, you know, hit the green light. That works for me. I think that's JP mind. I'm good. Okay. Then, uh, let's go ahead and begin. Um, I think we have to start with the NFC because that's just the way I ordered them. Uh, so we'll start with the NFC, NFC North, who is going to win it this year? JP. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I'm I'm all in on the Jordan Love experience. I'm all in on the experiment. I think the way he looked in the preseason, I think there's still truly something there where he can be a quality starter for this offense. He's going to be surrounded by young athletic talent. I think Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs are a very interesting. They're not a top tier wide receiver duo, but they're young. They can develop with uh, Jordan Love. I think the op- way the offense is going to work, especially with how good the offensive line is played, it kind of eases some concerns that I had about the Packers going into the season. Defensively, you know, I still wonder how defense coordinator is going to kind of flip around a defense that really underperformed based on how much talent they have. But I'm kind of, I'm on, of the belief that they kind of progress back to the mean. You know, teams regress to the mean. I think the Packers progress back to the mean of them being a very, very good defense. They have too much talent on that defensive side of the ball to not to be bad again. So I'm going, I'm going with the Packers for this one. That's bold. Uh, JP. Uh, I mean, you're the only person actually we're all split here in terms of division winners or, or the winners of the, the NFC North specifically. Uh, Mark, you don't seem to believe in the Packers. I don't want to spoil anything uh, specifically here. Actually, we both kind of believe in the Packers. Again, that is a, a bit of a spoiler, but not uh, in this particular respect. You like the Detroit Lions. So you're just super basic, Mark. Oh, you went to the Eras tour. Oh, uh, you you probably bought the F1 yeah. cars at Costco. Like, look at you, Mark. I mean, Absolutely. Super um, big. Like, it's it's almost like the Lions have become like a trendy pick yet again. Because oh, like no, earlier no. this spring, it was like everybody was on the Lions. Everybody was on the Lions. And now people are like, oh, wait a second. Maybe people are going to be on the Packers. Oh, what about the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, I'm buying in. I am completely buying in on Dan Campbell. I was by, I was in on this team last year. When the season started, I kept telling people, look, we're going to get to the holidays. When you see those cute little – playoff picture graphics on Fox, on CBS. They're going to have Detroit Lions in the hunt. People didn't believe it then. It came true. They were in it till the end. I love what they did this offseason. I know they, there was a lot of pushback on their draft, you know, tight end, linebacker, running back. But I really like the pieces that they added. I think it fits with the foundational principles of this team. If it is a lean back towards big boy grilling on the roof football, I think they're built to play in that kind of game. I'm picking the Lions. I think that's dumb. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Word. like, I I don't know. JP, you're a Jaguars fan, so you understand this. Like, they are the, like, the, I, I mean, the 2017 Jaguars is a poor example to use because, you know, they were very successful. But, like, that circa that time, you know, there was this, like, oh, I, the Jaguars, man, the Browns have kind of gone through that. I mean, like, 
these things generally fizzle out. I mean, I, I really feel like we're, we're, we want this to happen. There's a big difference between wanting and believing. So I think you're onto something, but I think the biggest difference between the 2017 Jaguars and this iteration of the uh, Lions is I think the Jaguars were built a little more unstable. Of course, we all know what happened. Of course, hindsight's 2020. Tom Coughlin just kind of completely destroyed that franchise for a good span of like four years. But I think the Lions are built more sustainable because they have the structure up front offensively. You know, the game is won and lost in the trenches, and they have one of the best offensive lines in football. As long as you have that, the floor is going to be very high. You have a run game that is replicable and they can run anything. You have the skill position talent. Of course, you're going to miss Jameson Williams for the first six games of the season. I really wonder where they're going to find that explosiveness. Now that Jameson Williams is gone, I think they waived Denzel Mims. DJ Chark is no longer there. They got to find some way to get some juice into that offense. But once Jameson Williams comes back, you know, can Ben Johnson do this again with Jared Goff? I think that's going to be the big question. But <clears throat> I think they're built more sustainable than the Jaguars were in 2017 because the offense is just better. It's more sustainable. It's more built to win. And JP's point about the explosiveness is a very good one. I think they're going to get that from Gibbs in a couple of different ways. I think you're going to get that in the outside run game. I think he's very adept at running outside zone, wide zone, all that stuff. A lot of what you're going to see them build their play-action passing game off of. And I think they're going to use them a lot in the passing game. There's reported out of Detroit in the past couple of days that, look, they're going to use them in a variety of different ways. Wouldn't surprise me if you've seen them aligned outside a lot. It wouldn't surprise me to see him in the slot to try to get some of that explosiveness through him, both in the run game and the passing game. And Johnson has done such a great job with Goff at structuring a passing game that puts him in familiar territory. You see a lot of what he was doing with the Rams. You see a lot of what he was doing at Cal. And so – I think this is a team that is built to win in today's NFL. They can beat you in a bunch of different ways. They're good up front on both sides of the ball. I'm in. I just think it's, again, I, I support you, Mark, but it just feels, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like we're Okay, so so that explains, so that explains to us how the Minnesota Vikings win this division. <laughs> they have the best quarterback in the division. I don't think that's like a laughable take, right? They they have no, it's not a laughable. Right, take. they have the best quarterback in the division. They have by far the most explosive offensive playmaker in the division. They have the best offensive playmaker in the NFL. Right, I mean, so obviously within the division, um, they have a somewhat underrated, probably overpaid tight end now in T.J. Hawkinson. Like everybody wants to make this big deal about all the pieces the Vikings lost. Like, is there a piece that they lost, so to speak, that you were like, oh, that it was such a horrible decision to let Patrick Peterson walk, to get rid of Darius Smith, to move on from Dalvin Cook? Uh, to move on from Adam Thielen. They drafted Jordan Addison. To, like, their offense, I believe in more, strangely. Um, and, again, I I found it hilarious that we fell all over ourselves to hand Brian Dable the Coach of the Year award, and Kevin O'Connell wasn't even in discussion. Like, that is so silly and dumb. The Vikings, I understand there's a lot of memeability to them, but they are a very solid football team. I'd picked them to win the Super Bowl a year ago on this show, which looked kind of strong, honestly, for a little while there. Uh, but took on some heat because, again, they are such a memeable team. But they are by far – they have the least amount of questions. Like, they're the most known quantity. They they require the least amount of extrapolation compared to either of your picks, in my opinion. So I understand the point about the offense, but they were one of the worst teams in the NFL in passing game, DVO, That's uh, DVOA fair. and EPOA on defense, and they got worse. 
this year. And they're going through a complete scheme change from going from Ed Donatel and the big Fangio style of scheme to Brian Flores, man covered, man coverage heavy. It relies on having good DBs or DBs that can stick in man coverage. You just don't know if we have that yet with that team. You there's there are a lot of question marks in the secondary with that defense. I mean, they went and signed Byron Murphy. He's probably gonna play nickel. So you're starting a rookie on the outside, Makai Blackman. That's not I'm not sure if I can buy in to that yet. Of course, you know, they there's the whole like one score games, like they, I think they that, were like, yeah, that was I think they were like 13 and 0, 11 and 0. Yeah, you're you're right. But like the the buy-in here, I'm not saying isn't real, but or the required buy-in, but it's much lower than the buy-in y'all are giving to the pack, maybe not the Packers, but certainly to the Lions. Like we're we're willing to give the Lions this like boost of hopium. You know what I mean? That we're not willing to give the Vikings. Like, again, I'm not offering that, you know, things are going to be superlative, but defensively, there should be some regression to the mean. They were awful last year. You know what I mean? Like, if they're just remotely less awful, I trust them. And they all get to play each other. I think they're the best team of these four right now. Again, is it impossible that the Lions or Packers win the division? No, but I do think that we're overlooking the Vikings. I mean, I guess that's fair. I just yes. think they're, you know, they're not a question-free team. Sure. They're not a question-free pick. And I, I think the scheme change component, which JP alluded to, you know, they switched this, you know, man-heavy zero-one scheme. That's going to take some time to get used to. That's going to take some time to iron itself out. Is this team that, yeah, they might not have as many questions on offense as the other teams, but are they built to win shootouts? That I don't know. And if they're going through a period of time where they're giving up 21, 24, 28 points a game early in the season as they adjust to this defense, are they going to be able to win those games? That I don't know. As, as as fair as your points are about Jefferson, Cousins, yeah, he's probably the best quarterback in the division right now, but they don't, it's not like they're without questions. Do we think it's possible that the season ends with somebody else as the best quarterback in the division? I, I mean, and like, I because I think that's still kind of a leap of a thing to say. Like maybe it's Justin Fields, but again, Acknowledging that Kirk Cousins is a bit of a internet, you know, piece of meat, I, I find it really difficult to believe that anyone seismically becomes the best quarterback on the NFC North after this season. I think it would take it would take Kirk Cousins regression because he's old. I mean, he's gonna be 35, 36 years old this season. The arm never really was his strongest suit, so maybe that gets worse. That's the only way I see Kirk Cousins not being the best quarterback in the division, unless it, it it would take a stratospheric jump for Jordan Love to go like immediately year one right. and just dominate. He would have to absolutely dominate for him to be above Kirk Cousins. I think it's the same thing for Justin Fields. He would have to show a whole lot more than he has in the passing game. So, and I think we know what Jared Goff is. Uh, I think Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins are too. Like we know what they are. We know who they are. Um, yeah. the NFC South is a clean sweep for all of us. We all took the New Orleans Saints. Um, it feels really difficult to imagine a way. Speaking of the best quarterback in the division, like there's no way that like this belongs to anyone but Derek Carmar. But at least right now. I mean, maybe going forward, you know, maybe Bryce Young makes a lead. You know, I, I don't know what we're gonna get from Desmond Ritter. I mean, that's been a curious thing to watch, although I think he's in an offense that might be tailor-made for his skill set. 
Then we got Tampa Bay. I mean, how big is the chip on Baker Mayfield's shoulder? That's going to be fun to watch. But Derek Carr is the best quarterback in this division right now, and that gives them a huge advantage going into the season. So I think the Saints are the easy pick here. I think it's going to be more interesting to see how those other three quarterback situations play out over the course of this season and which of those three we expect Bryce Young, obviously, to keep his job. But does Ritter earn another shot? Does Baker Mayfield do enough? Or is this sort of the, the Drake-May division to watch for next year's draft? And I also think the Saints have the best defense in the division. I think Dennis Allen still is a fantastic defensive play caller. And while I still love Ejiro Everell and what he's going to do with the Panthers' defense, it's kind of the opposite or the inverse of what the Vikings are going through. You know, the Panthers are going from a man cover one scheme heavy uh, defense under, I believe his name was Phil Snow, going to the Fangio style defense with Ejiro Everell. That's going to take some growing pains. There's going to be some growing pains there, especially up front. So I'm wondering, you know, how long can you do that, especially when the Saints have a really easy schedule before their bye week in week 11? And Derek Carr is probably, not probably, he is the best quarterback in the division, and they still have a good amount of skill position talent. Juwan Johnson's very underrated as a tight end. Chris Olave might see a whole bunch of targets. He's going to break out again this year. You wonder what you're going to get from Michael Thomas. That's always going to be a question mark. but. They have the best quarterback in the division, and they have the best defense in the division. That's a pretty easy recipe for success. Um, congrats to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, first clean sweep of the episode. NFC East. I um, went homer uh, in a lot of ways and took the Dallas Cowboys. But you both, um, you know, don't believe in regression to the mean, apparently. Both go in Philadelphia. Mark, um, was it close, honestly, uh, for you between Philly and Dallas? This is This is the subject of a lot of debate, I think, right now. We joked about it, but a lot of people are picking a Dallas-Philly NFC title game. Like they, they certainly seem like two of the better teams in the conference. Obviously, the division rivals, which adds to the fun. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's close. But, I mean, a, a point that JP brought up about the lines I think applies here. The offensive line, that's where it starts. That's the sort of engine for this team. And I know people are talking about, oh, maybe some regression for Jalen Hurts in this passing game, particularly Shane Steichen out you know, in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson, but in steps in the quarterback coach who was very familiar with Jalen Hurts, who was very familiar with this offense. So I think this offense is going to be very good again. I'm excited to see what this defense looks like. I think when you've got some of that young talent that they've got, that they've added, you know, they've take, basically taken Georgia and just moved them up on 95 to Philadelphia and duplicating one of the best defenses in college football at the NFL level, I think is a pretty good idea. And so, yeah, it was close. You know, I think the Cowboys are going to get into the playoffs, but I think the Eagles right now are the better team. JP. I think it's very close. I'm very close. I went back and forth on this one. I, Still have some questions about the Eagles' defense and how it's going to look. You know, you go from – you're still with, within the Fangio family tree, but Sean Desai is noticeably uh, noticeably a lot more of a blitzer than and sends more pressure than Jonathan Gannon. I do wonder what the linebackers are going to look like. I love N'Kobe Dean, but this is going to be his first year as a starter. This is going to be a very interesting thing to see develop. You're going to have to replace Javon Hargrave. Jalen Carter is going to step in, but, you know, that's going to be another interesting point. And like Mark said, there could be some regression there offensively with this team. But I just think they have such a high floor offensively. You have the best offensive line in football. You have a built-in plus one in the run game in Jalen Hurts. You're, you also have two of the better wide receivers in the NFL in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard is always going to be a factor in this receiving game. It, they have such a high floor talent-wise. 
skill position wise that it's hard to go against them. Stupid. I think both of you are stupid and gross. So, uh, okay. What's the case for Dallas? The sort of, we'll call it the non Homer case for the Dallas Cowboys here. I would be lying if I said it, it didn't include some regression from Philadelphia. Um, so okay. B- I mean, BLG, right. BLG and I do a, a show every week that we call the NFC's mixtape. Um, and something I've offered is that there's a case that last season was the greatest season in Philadelphia Eagles history, right? Like they didn't win the Super Bowl, but like it's it's quite possible that we'll never ever see an Eagles team as dominant relative to the field as Philadelphia was in 2022. Um, so there's just some natural regression that will likely happen, may not. Um, but you know that that's something. I mean, the the loss of both coordinators is a big deal. Uh, whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to, you know, maintain this this status of a runner. I mean, things are a little bit different when quarterbacks get paid. We've seen that happen all over the NFL. I think Josh Allen is maybe the kind of lone exception to that rule. Dak Prescott was never like a huge runner, but he did kind of chill things out after the ankle injury in 2020. Um, and so that's the Philadelphia side of the argument. The argument for Dallas too is that. They're a great team. I mean, there's an argument that Dak is better than Jalen Hurts. Obviously, Dak's never had a season as exemplary as Jalen did last year, but he has a body of work that is vast. Mark, you obviously chronicled it for us uh, with the uh, RIP Dak watch that, you know, we don't have to discuss for legal reasons. Uh, but, um, but exactly right. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert coming into the fold. The departure of Zeke Elliott, not to, you know, take a victory lap about that, but that opens things up for the Cowboys offense. Micah Parsons is quite possibly the best defensive player in the NFL. Trayvon Diggs is the, what, fifth best corner, like call it what you want. Cowboys have one of the best safety rooms in the NFL. They have one of the best overall pass rushing groups in the NFL. They have the best defensive play caller in the NFL and Dan Quinn. They have a head coach in Mike McCarthy, who, while also a meme, is aggressive and is going to lean into the talents and the abilities of his offense. And so um, are they the like poster for aggression on offense the way Philadelphia was with all the fourth downs last year or Brandon Staley was two years ago? I don't know, but I think those things lend to Dallas's favor. But what I think works against Dallas is all last year, I talked about how there was going to be regression to the mean for the Cowboys from a turnover standpoint. There was no way they were going to be able to replicate all the turnovers from 2021. They had more last year. They were the first team since the 1970 Steelers to lead the NFL in takeaways in back-to-back years. I have serious doubts, even as optimistic as I am, that that can stick. Uh, But they have found other ways to mitigate things on defense. They have proven that, like San Francisco, they can be a defense with some relative sticking power. And so I just, I think they have as maybe not as high of a floor, but maybe a higher ceiling than Philadelphia. So a lower floor, but a higher ceiling, if that makes sense. I can see it. I think I think they do have the best quarterback in the division. I think Let's go, JP! But I do wonder, especially with Mike McCarthy now calling plays, of course, I've, always, I've said what I've said about, like, was this offense really like Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy? I right. do, I do think people are a little lower on Mike McCarthy calling plays than they should be, considering like the reason Mike McCarthy got fired in Green Bay was because he threw the ball too much, and now you're gonna let him call plays again for a team that wants to throw the ball more. So I do wonder how that's going to uh, pan out, especially through the first part of the season. I also wonder how healthy the offensive line is going to stay. That's always been the biggest problem for Dallas offensively. They cannot keep a healthy offensive line. If they, if the offensive line can stay healthy, then like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. But that's such a huge factor, especially with Tyron Smith being in and out of the lineup. You know, that's Terrence right. Steele's coming off a massive injury. We just don't know. We don't know how healthy they're going to be up front. So that's 
one of the many reasons, one of the reasons why I'm kind of, I'll take the Eagles higher floor with that offensive line. Wow. You're both criminals. Um, the NFC West, uh, Mark and I are simpatico on this. Um, Mark, you can speak on behalf of us. The Seattle Seahawks, you and I have both picked to win the division. Yeah, and I know, look, there's a lot of discussion that the 49ers might have the best roster in the NFL outside of the quarterback position, and that's a fair point. But it's a quarterback-driven league. We know that. And can Brock Purdy replicate what he did last year? Maybe. That is a somewhat QB agnostic offense. Kyle Shanahan does a great job. They do a great job of personnel with matchups and things like that. But this is kind of a vibes-based pick for me. I look at what San Francisco is going through right now with the Bosa situation, obviously the quarterback situation and the way that sort of played out this offseason. And then I look at the Seahawks. Last year, Geno Smith, a fantastic story. You know, people wrote him off, but he didn't write back, come back player of the year. And it wasn't smoke and mirrors. Like he was playing extremely well at the quarterback position. JP wrote about it a lot last year. You look at what they did last year in the passing game, a lot of two and three tight end personnel stuff in the passing game, attacking downfield out of those heavy personnel packages. Now you add JSN for many people, the wide receiver one in the draft. You start thinking about what that might look like 11 personnel wise with Metcalf or Lockett with JSN. This is a sneaky good offense, I think, and that defense is going to be pretty good when you look at it on paper, when you look at what they do schematically. And so, yeah, you know, 49ers might have the best roster non-QB-wise, but I look at what they're doing in Seattle, and I really like what they're putting together. JP, Mark speaks for us, so it's two against one. Good luck. You've yeah, got the Niners. Good luck. So last year, the, uh, not the Seahawks finished 26 in defensive EPA allowed against the run. And I don't think they've gotten much better against the run as a defensive front. They've let both their top nose tackles leave in free agency. Puna Ford is now a Buffalo Bill. Al Woods is now gone. That's a problem when you play the Niners, especially a Niners team that might not want to throw, throw the ball that much. You know, maybe, maybe they're just like, hey, we don't have to throw the ball to win. We'll just beat you over the head with Christian McCaffrey 30 times a game. And we'll see what happens then. I just... I'm just not going to pick against a team like the Niners. We're going to get back to this point later, but I'm not going to pick against a team with that much talent and the best offensive play caller in the NFL who can just generate offense with you and I at quarterback. So I'm still going with the Niners. I think they're the most talented team in the division. I love what Seattle's done offensively. I do wonder if the deep ball continuation can still be a thing for Geno Smith. We all know deep ball variance is kind of a thing in the NFL. You're not going to be the best deep ball thrower in the league multiple times year over year, unless you are Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. So I do wonder what it's going to look like offensively. I think adding JSN is going to help them out a lot in the in-between areas of the game. I think that's where they want to get better. That's why they added Zach Charbonnet. So I do think the offense is going to be good once again, but I have a lot of questions still about the defense. I I like what they've done, but I also don't trust it against a Niners team that is built to beat Seattle. What if Brock Purdy, I mean, isn't it? You know, what What if What if these are the same Darnold 49ers? Do you, are you still just as confident? You specifically, JP. I'm not going to like it, but <laughs> I'm probably going to be just as confident because, again, Kyle Shanahan has proven that he can get good quarterback play out of anybody. And when you have such a massive margin for error in that offense with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Trent Williams, and Kyle Juszczyk, who can all be on the field at the same time. I just don't think 
it would really, really take a really, really historically bad quarterback for the for that offense not to succeed. Like I think we, I think that generally just needs to be a study. Who is the worst quarterback we can put? In well, we did that. Remember, James wrote that piece where he simulated every season with like worst and worst quarterbacks in Madden, and he found that like even with Zach Wilson, that team was going to be good. Like yeah, I mean, so like I said, it's a QB agnostic roster. It's a QB agnostic offense. It's been successful with Garoppolo. It's been successful with Purdy. It could probably work again with Darnold. I also think we need to talk about the defensive side of the ball in San Francisco because Ryan's is now down in Houston. Steve Wilkes, again, a very good defensive mind, but is that defense going to be as good as it has been in years past? Maybe it is, but that's also something that I think is a question mark going into this year. I would also, yeah, well, JP, just quickly, Nick, Nick Bose is still out. Like, I don't, I don't know that we think that that gets fixed, but like if they drop one or two games without him, you know, before things get settled, like that's a, that's a factor in a division race. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too worried about them not having Nick Bosa for the, I'll say it like this. I'm more worried about the chiefs not having Chris Jones than the Niners not having Nick Bosa, because I think the Niners are a much more talented defense and can possibly like, they can still win games. You know, I I still think they can win. It might not be as comfortable without Nick Bosa, who's the reigning DPOI, but they'll still probably win games. I think, Chris Corsett can get good defensive line play once again out of you and I, and we're going to see that firsthand. Drake Jackson is an ascending player. Yeah, Cleveland Farrell. I don't know what Cleveland Farrell is going to be, but you have Chris Corsett around him. They're still going to be, I mean, vibes are high still. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are still the best linebacker duo in the league. Fred Warner is still the best linebacker in football. And, I think you're going to get some better play out of Talanoa Hufanga, who was an all-pro last year, but didn't really play that great in the passing game. And he is still young, so you're going to improve there. The DBs will still be good. Steve Wilkes is a defensive backs coach who transitioned to defensive coordinator. I do wonder how different it's going to look. I think Steve Wilkes is a lot more cover three based than D'Amico Ryan's playing a lot of quarters, quarter, quarter, half. It'll look different, but the players will remain the same. I think that's really the biggest thing that matters. So Mark and I both believe in the Niners. Just we believe in the Seahawks a little bit more. Mark and I both have them as wild cards. Um, I have the Eagles. So, again, we all have the Cowboys and Eagles because you both have Dallas as one of your two wild cards. Uh, Mark and I have the Packers as our third wild card team. So we all have the Packers in the playoffs. Uh, Mark, you're, um, so you've got Niners, Cowboys, Packers. I've got Eagles, Niners, Packers. So just a little bit of a flip in the NFC East. JP, you have the Lions and Giants sneaking in along with the Cowboys as your NFC wild cards. So I'm the only one who put the Vikings in and who didn't put the Lions in. But JP, please explain how you think the Giants return because a lot of people view them as um, the obvious regression of the mean candidate the way they do the Vikings, except for you. The Giants made the playoffs last year with you and I at wide receiver. Oh, a lot of you and, and I talk, JP. Add, Jeez. Now they add a great song Waller. by Lifehouse. The, now they add Darren Waller, who is going to see so many targets this year. Kind of preview for Establish the Fun. Darren Waller is going to see a whole bunch of targets, a whole bunch of yards, and the way that they're going to use him is going to be really interesting. It should open up a lot of that offense. And I think retaining Dayball and Mike Kafka, who was probably going to be a head coach sooner rather than later, retaining that offensive brain trust around Daniel Jones and keeping Saquon Barkley for at least a year is going to help that offense out a lot in terms of not regressing. You know, you still add in more to it. 
Defensively, I think they're going to be better. I think the defensive line is insanely good. I think amongst the insanely talented defensive lines in the NFC East, the Giants get kind of overlooked, but Dexter Lawrence is a first-team All-Pro. He is unbelievable as a nose tackle. Leonard Williams is still very good. Kayvon Thibodeau is an ascending young player. They added to the defensive back room. Now you have Isaiah Simmons, and I don't know what you're going to get out of Isaiah Simmons in 2023, but for a guy who's best at blitzing, of course you want him around Wink Martindale, who will use him as a blitzer. He's like he's like a designated pass rusher, but as an off-ball linebacker. So I do generally think that this team is going to be better than people think they are. I don't think regression is going to hit them as hard as it might, you know, the Vikings, because you retain everything. You you added to an offense that's gonna be that's gonna be that should be better. The offensive line is going to be better. Evan Neal started to put together better stretches of play during the back half of his rookie year. I'm in. I'm in on this Giants team. It might be a little less like all in, but I'm in. Um, Mark, I don't know if you saw this. Um, our friend Ed Valentine wrote at Big Blue View uh, quarterbacks that he would take over Daniel Jones. It was more of a pontification exercise. Uh, but the quarterbacks who he named, he, it's a, these are Ed's words, uh, Valentine's view specifically. It's not a long list. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. That's it. Uh, in case you can't count that quickly, Mark, that's seven quarterbacks that Ed is saying he would take ahead of Daniel Jones. Uh, he offers opinions on Dak Prescott, Tua Tungavailoa, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, Calibre, Deshaun Watson, and Geno Smith, um, but ultimately kind of cast them aside. Um, it kind of comes down to that. <laughs> like, like what, yeah, what? It does come down to that. And is Daniel Jones going to run the ball 120 times again? Our defense is going to be ready for that. They probably will if he does. I like what they added. JP's point about Waller is a good one. I also think, you know, Jalen Hyatt is going to be a big part of what sure. they do offensively. Even if he doesn't put up huge numbers, people might expect, you know, eight touchdowns and, you know, a thousand yards as a rookie. That's probably not going to happen, but his ability to perhaps stretch defenses a little bit is going to open some of that stuff underneath, is going to open some of that stuff for Waller. But they were a year ahead of schedule. And now that bill is coming due because it's going to be a tougher schedule they're going to face this year. They're going to have defenses sort of ready for what they want to do offensively. And still, like Waller and Hyatt are nice additions, but this is a team that Saquon Barkley led in targets and was the co-leader in reception for a season ago. I think they're going to deal with some regression this year. Can Daniel Jones put up another solid season? Yeah. Would I have more quarterbacks on that list than Ed does? Yeah, I would. Um, okay. I mean, I'd – I'm not saying like I'm a full believer in Daniel Jones. I I don't think he's he, an athlete. I'm with you. Like there's a lot to like, but I'm I would definitely take more quarterbacks than Ed did. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely take more quarterbacks over Daniel Jones. But I think he is in that area of quarterbacks where if you surround him with the requisite talent, protection, and play calling, you can get a playoff caliber quarterback. And I think that's what the Giants have done. Again, you retain Brian Dayball, and Mike Kafka, who like Mark said. We're ahead of schedule, but now you don't you your floor is higher because you know you can get good, you can get good offensive play. Like they were getting good offensive play out of Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James at receiver. And now you have now you've upgraded that talent. And I just I do wonder how much they're gonna run Dale Jones, but it might not matter because they might be better throwing the ball. We'll and see. You still gonna have Saquon Barkley. 
That's fair, at least for this year. Um, but I agree with you, Darren Waller. I agree with both of you, Jalen Hyatt. I it's going to be really annoying how great Jalen Hyatt's going to be, and you know, to look back at how everybody passed on him and how he just fell to the Giants. It's really obnoxious. So he's going to run like two routes, and he's going to be yeah. amazing. Nine yeah. eight. Cool. That's it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's move to the AFC side of things. Uh, Mark and I are believers in the Cincinnati Bengals becoming, I don't know if you both knew this or if you've, heard, if you've heard this by now, the first team to ever win the AFC North three years in a row. That has never happened uh, in the history of the division. Uh, since I legitimately didn't know well, that. Well, I mean, you know, it's only been 20 years since realignment, but still. Um, so the Bengals going for the three-peat, again, never been done before in the AFC North. JP, you have the Ravens. Mark, once again, you can uh, speak on behalf of you and I. The Joe Burrow, you know, calf stuff does seem like it's like they were kind of like, oh, he's cool. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden everything's fine and, and copacetic now uh, when everything looked in doubt about a month ago. Yeah, I mean, first of all, look, I think it's fair to point out this is a tough division. I mean, might be uh, the talking to people might be the toughest the league, in the NFL. It might be the toughest in the NFL. There are certainly some believers in the Pittsburgh Steelers, some of whom are on this show right now. You look at Baltimore and what they've done. I think that offense is going to be great this year with Todd Monken coming in. And it's going to be a new look passing game. If Cleveland sort of if, if Deshaun Watson settles into that offense, that's going to be a very good defense in Cleveland. You know, I still look at Joe Burrow, though, and what this team has done over the past couple of seasons. I look at that passing game. It, they can beat you in a bunch of different ways in the past game, in the quick game, in the deep game. They've got a lot of ways to solve problems. I know there was some concern over Burrow and his calf, but I think he's going to be okay. Again, he's not somebody that's going to be using, you know, as a plus one in the box, like we talked about with Jalen Hurts. His game is pocket movement, pocket management, pocket presence, pocket poise, and he's going to have that. That's going to not be a worry with that calf injury. And so, I'm still a believer in Joe Burrow. I'm a believer in this offense. It's going to be a very tough division. I could see all four teams making the playoffs potentially, you know, with at least the ability to do that. But I'm going with the Bengals. Uh, JP, quickly before we get to the Ravens, because I know you picked them. Um, so I'm not as big of a believer in the Bills, which we've discussed many times. But I'm a believer in, like, the windows kind of closing for the Bills, like the prime window. It does kind of feel like no one's really – talking about that being a factor with the Bengals with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins like if they don't get this done now uh in 2023 like life will be very different especially after the Joe Burrow contract hits yeah it's going to be different because you have to pay Burrow Higgins and Chase you got to try to keep all those guys around while still being able to pay most of the guys that are going to come up on defense but I think they've done a good job of manipulating and drafting well so you can let Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell walk in free agency and just replace them with Daxton Hill, who has looked very good in the preseason. So I'm a little less worried about the window closing because I think they've managed it somewhat well, you know. But as far as, like, my pick for the Ravens, I just think Lamar Jack's going to have an insane year. I'm with I you. think it's going to look so cool. He is fully healthy. They gave him some actual receivers. And before he got hurt, he was playing at an MVP level, throwing to Deshaun Jackson and Demarcus Robinson, who, like, respect to both of those guys. He was throwing to Sammy Watkins last year, and he was still playing at an MVP level. 
Now you've given him some actual receivers. You've given him an actual play caller who knows how to create advantages in the passing game out of heavier personnel in Todd Munkin and what he did at Georgia. If it looks anything like what it did at Georgia, you're going to see a lot of Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely on the field together. You're going to mix in some Patrick Ricard there if you want to run the ball. J.K. Dobbins, you know, I'm still not as excited about their running back group in terms of how explosive they are. But, you know, you have a healthy Lamar Jackson. That run game is going to be good regardless. And they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Very quietly, since the Roquan Smith trade, they had one of the best defenses in the NFL. I do wonder how they're going to generate consistent pass rush, especially if David Ojabo is not fully healthy. But I'm in on this Ravens team, man. I do think the Bengals are going to struggle a little bit, not only if Joe Burrow is out for the first few games of the season, but they are retooling that offensive line again. And, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. comes over from Kansas City. I think they're moving Jonah Williams to right tackle. It's going to look weird. It's going to look weird for them up front. I do wonder how it's going to look, how it's going to adjust, especially without Joe Burrow in the lineup. So I'm in on the Ravens. I think this team is going to be really, really good this year. I'm totally with you, JP. Um, I'm here for the Lamar Rassance. Um, I think he's going to be amazing. I think Zay Flowers is going to be offensive rookie of the year if Bryce Young doesn't do something like kind of, you know, you know, as a quarterback, obviously he has an inherent advantage. Um, I just, I've learned not to, to bet against Joe Burrow's Bengals. That's really the only thing that's, that's got me unwilling to pick Baltimore here. Uh, but that's really, really well said. The AFC South. Uh, this division is a little bit all over the place. Now, uh, Mark, you have picked the Jaguars. What a surprise that JP has as well. Um, look, we've gone kind of chalk. Like, we've talked nothing but contenders, like all these Super Bowl, you know, sort of quality teams. That There is no weird thing that has happened yet as far as what we've discussed. I am going to pick. The- well, until now. Well, look, is it absurd? that the Houston Texans could win the division? Is it like, it, it's it's yes. it's off the wall, Yeah, but is it absurd? Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. absurd. Yeah. Look, if the- 100%. Okay, let's, like, again, this is somewhat predicated. It's, if, in fact, almost entirely predicated on a number of other extenuating circumstances. JP, again, Arden Jaguars fan you are. Is it not possible that the Jaguars come down to earth a little bit, that the clock strikes midnight, right? So let, let's presume that happens to a degree. Like it's open season, right? Like it, it's completely and totally open season if the Jaguars regress. Like, do we really believe in the Colts? Like, anybody going to offer any semblance of belief in the Colts? I, I really, no, right? No, I believe in Mike Vrabel a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of at a point I've, I've regressed with the Titans where it's like I need you to prove it to me again. You know what I mean? Before I like tr- truly, totally buy in, I think there is an infusion of like. I think the Texans are at the very least operating like a legitimate NFL team, which they haven't done for what, since they had the 24, nothing lead against Kansas city in the AFC divisional round. Like they finally have a a legitimate, competent franchise quarterback. Think about all the skill position influx they're getting. Damian Pierce is back. John Mechie's obviously uh, congratulations to him. We're super big fans of him. Who could forget about Robert Woods? I mean, tank Dell, like they have all these like, playmakers that i'm not saying this is going to be the greatest show on turf but like they're going to be fun and interesting and sometimes that team like the jaguars last year blossoms into a accidental division winner mark yeah but at the same time you know we started the show talking about the nfc north and you made the point that both jp and i are asking for a lot and asking for a lot of hope from a Packers offense under Jordan Love for the first season or the Detroit Lions to sort of live up to the sure. wealth of expectations that have been put in their lap. And now you're asking for guys like Tank Dow and C.J. Stroud, who, again, I'm a huge fan of C.J. Stroud, 
I wouldn't anoint him as a franchise quarterback just yet. Let's let him play like a regular season game before we go down that road. I think, look, say in your hypothetical world here, the, the Jags do sort of tumble back to earth, which again, could happen. Things could happen like that. That I think you probably look at Tennessee first. I give you that we're not going to look at Indianapolis and say, all right, well, if Jags stumble, it's going to open the door for Anthony Richardson in year one to walk through it. I, I don't, I'm not ready to go there. But to say that Houston is going to go from, like you said, sort of a team and an organization that has been dysfunctional to a division winner over the course of one offseason, that's asking for a lot. I will fully admit that I'm asking for an enormous amount here, JP. So, like, I don't mean to be hypocritical, but uh, pretend I didn't say what I did about the NFC North a little while ago. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I mean, look, we like it, it will not go chalk. Like, and I, I hate to like bank on like a not tangible real thing or non-measurable thing but like we know that about the nfl behind you all here in my office i've got good morning football on um and jamie erdahl's awesome but i just saw her division winners for the afc that were just on the screen a moment ago they're the four division winners from a year ago like do do we really think i mean i understand kansas city's very chalk i understand buffalo is very chalk at this point i just talked about how i'm fine being chalk with cincinnati but like there will be something weird and if there is a place where something weird is going to rise to the top, are you not willing to bet on it being in the AFC South, JP? I'm more willing to bet on it being the NFC South, where That's nobody fair. is actually good. That's fair. The thing about this is the Jaguars are actually a good football team, like legitimately a good football team. And I'm, I promise I'm not being a homer. They are a very good football team. How, how, how real is the Calvin Ridley thing, JP? Like how willing are you very, to believe in it? He is – the best receiver I've seen with my own two eyes wear a Jaguars uniform. I and this is Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell were all were wow. both the Justin Blackman disrespect. Justin Black, I'm still waiting for Justin. <laughs> I, I'm still like it. The, the key is under the mat. LaRon Robinson. You know, we got some Matt Jones in there, former Arkansas quarterback. But I just the way he moves is at such a different speed than what I've seen at the Jaguar at the receiver position for the Jaguars. It is very real. It is the offense is going to be so much more efficient this year with the way they're able to run the ball, the ability to get into different personnel looks. And you still have all the receivers from last year who are more complimentary pieces. Now you've given Trevor Lawrence a legitimate number one. Like I know it's kind of the meme, but like, Joe Burrow being like, screw it, Jamar's down there oh, somewhere. The, the little drawing, the Panesul discussion. Yeah, yeah. Down there somewhere. You've given Trevor Lawrence a screw it, someone's down there somewhere, and now it's Calvin Ridley. I'm not as far along as believing the Texans can win the division, but I do think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be a competitive team. I just don't know if you can trust a rookie quarterback to win the division outright in its first year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot, especially because that team is so young. And they still are looking for that alpha number one receiver. You know, they have a bunch of complimentary pieces. Tank Dell is fun. I wouldn't call him a number one receiver right now. I think the defense is still going to be fun, but we still need proof of concept in a regular season game. If there was any team that I would say outside the Jaguars that is legitimately like has a shot to win a division, I think it is the Titans. Y'all are so they have, boring. They have the best defense in the, in the division. That defense is going to be really, really good once again. And as long as they have Derrick Henry, who's basically terrorized the AFC South for a good part of six years, I, I mean, I would take that team as bad as they look on paper. 
to win a division before I would the Texans or the Colts. Um, all right, let's move on to the AFC East. Um, uh, again, you both super boring, super lame Buffalo Bills. Let me be very clear. All right. <laughs> I, how, how is the Bills the lame? Boring it's boring. It's cliche. It's Gravity's 9.81 meters per second squared. Like, you know what I mean? Like, JP. Before the Ramsey injury, I was going to say the Dolphins. That's but it. I think the Ramsey injury changes a lot. Um, so let me be very clear. If we're like a lot of people have come around and not liking Aaron Rodgers in a personal sense, I have disliked Aaron Rodgers for purely football reasons for a decade now. Like, this is my corner, all right? Battered cowboy syndrome right here. Aaron Rodgers has ruined my life. Um, so it bothers me greatly. I'm kind of buying like the Jets. I'm I'm kind of in, I'm kind of willing to believe a pissed off Aaron Rodgers is not something that you want to poke. Again, I know that better than most. Um, I'm willing to, and it, some of this is is sort of my Cowboys Eagles take, and some of my Texans Jaguars take. Like, I think the Bills are right for regression. I'm 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 not saying that they like regress totally and completely and win like six games, but like the Bills, I, I've told both of you this. I felt the Bills were in the same boat as the Cowboys when the offseason began. They needed offensive help outside of Stephon Dix. What did they do? They drafted Dalton Kincaid. Miss me with all this, like, he's going to line up in the slot. He's going to be a pass catcher, this and that. Like, we know the impact of rookie tight ends. Like, there's a 100 years of history to tell us how this, like, ultimately bears itself out. And unlike the Cowboys who went out and got Brandon Cooks, the Bills did nothing. And the dude who, like, they needed to help is all pissed off about it. I don't care if they made him a captain or whatnot. And if there's anyone who can smell blood in the water and capitalize on it, it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm willing to believe. Maybe that makes me cliche and basic now, Mark, but I'm going to pick the Jets to win the AFC East. I mean, I look at their first eight games against six playoff teams, against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, who are going to have a very good defense. And then that game, Denver at Denver, which is a tough place to play, that is a difficult way to start the season for the New York the Jets. So that's ball. issue number one. Yeah, and issue number two with the Jets is this. It's either it, it succeeds beyond everybody's wildest expectation or it fails miserably. Sure. Like, I don't see a middle ground with the Jets. I don't see, like, a, you know, 12-5 and five or 11-6 and six season where they, like, get into the playoffs or something like that. They either run away with this end or it fails miserably. I also think, look, yes, similar to your Bengals point, the window might be closing in Buffalo, but I don't think it's fully closed. I think we have to remember that this is a team that was – certainly looked like they were on their way to a deep playoff run. And then the DeMar Hamlin situation happened and they, that's a lot of context. I think they deserve us to mention here because I don't understand how those players played the rest of the season after that happened. And the fact that they were able to, you know, beat New England in the final week of the season, they were able to get into the playoffs. They were able to do what they did, even though they lost in the playoffs eventually. I think we have to remember that, situation that they dealt with as an organization top to bottom that's going to put a lot of strain on guys minds like to go out there and play and to execute at a high level i just think that this is a tough division this is a division the top to bottom you could make a case maybe not for new england a strong one at least for all four teams making a playoff run but i look at what buffalo still has and it starts with josh allen and i still have faith that they can you know put last year behind them and make another run jp um so we don't normally record on Tuesdays, but we are today. But a week from today, we'll be post the first Monday night game of the year, which is Bill's Jets. It feels like that game could serve as a huge like catalyst to proving, you know, my point or y'all's point. Exactly. And before I kind of make the case for why I think the Jets are very shaky, I'm going to make the case for the Dolphins very quickly. And it's, it's pretty <laughs> simple. 
when Tua was healthy, they had one of the best offenses in the NFL. Like that is very like by any data, by any film you want to look at, that offense was explosive and it was efficient. I think they need to improve in the short yardage. And I think that's where they wanted to improve. They went and got Isaiah, Isaiah win. They want to improve at running the ball. Of course, they don't have Jonathan Taylor, which they were in on until the very end, but they can still get they can still get a good run game out of both the guys that they have, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., who is injured, but Raheem Mostert, Devin A. Shane can, is going to succeed in third down roles. But as long as two is healthy, that offense is still going to be very good. I think the team started to figure them out early last season, starting with the Niners game, but I think Mike McDaniel went into the offseason, you know, looking at that and seeing like, hey, maybe we can find some answers here. Maybe they're starting to find the answers. I think offensively they're going to be very good once again. Defensively, it's going to take a little bit more time, especially with Jalen Ramsey not playing because they're going to that Fangio scheme. But they have the talent. Jalen Phillips is potentially going to be a breakout candidate this year. Christian Wilkins is fantastic. Zach Seiler's great up front. You know, I'm I think I'm more in on the Dolphins winning the division over the Jets. And the reason is whose offense is this for the Jets? Is it a Nate Hackett offense or is this the Aaron Rodgers offense? And the reason why I say that is this, it's because the whole reason the Packers went and hired Matt LaFleur was to stop letting Aaron Rodgers call the plays, stop letting Aaron Rodgers run the offense. Now he's doing the same thing in New York, but now he's possibly what, four or five years older. You know, I I still have a lot of questions about, you know, whose offense it is. And I don't think Nate Nate Hackett's that good of a play caller. And now they're, they're sticking Nate Hackett up in the booth looking like Sting at like Starcade. And now they're going to have Nate Hackett calling plays to Todd Downing, who's going to call the plays to Aaron Rodgers. It just creates so much traffic. And like Mark said, this feels like a very, very, like this can go very wrong very quickly. This could will implode be, very fast. I will be very happy if that happens. Like it'd be hilarious. Like, you know what I mean? Like um, I'm a little bit like anti-Bills now. Like that's kind of become my thing. Um, but I would be more than happy if the Jets like didn't work and then this was just like a big funny thing because I also am invested in that not happening from a Mike McCarthy standpoint. Like, again, it was, oh, Mike McCarthy was completely and totally in the wrong in Green Bay. Like Aaron Rodgers was completely and totally in the right. So I would also hate if Aaron Rodgers like flourished, like doing everything on his own because that would sort of prove that narrative correct. But um, I've got my hands in a lot of cookie jars, if that isn't obvious uh, to both of you. Um, the AFC West was a clean sweep, Kansas City Chiefs. So we've given the Saints the Chiefs treatment. Um, it feels like this year, Mark, nobody's willing to like talk to themselves. I don't know, man, the Chargers could do it. Like that, that take is dead and gone. We've been burned so many times. Right. I mean, I can remember back to the days of Phillip Rivers or even Drew Brees, where it's like, okay, well, this is the year the Chargers make a deep run. This is the year the Chargers, you know, get all the way through the AFC. We've talked ourselves into the Chargers the past couple of years. We need to see proof of concept. I think this offense could be better with Kellen Moore. The talk out of Chargers training camp was, look, we're going to be vertical in the passing game. We're going to cater everything to Justin Herbert. And that's great. We'd love to see it. We've been clamoring for it for a while. But we've all been burned so many times by the Chargers that I think, and looking through everybody's picks here, I think we've all decided that, yeah, you know, we need to see this actually happen before we're going to buy in yet again. You know, it's Lucy in the football. We've been, you know, spun head over heels onto our backs time and time again by this organization. We're not falling for it this time. I JP. also would like to oh, go ahead. suggest that, like, maybe Brandon Staley, like, this is a big year for Brandon Staley, especially defensively, because yeah. 
this team has kind of underachieved defensively since Brandon Staley has taken over, which you don't expect from a guy who's hailed as a defensive guru. You know, I do think they need they need to stay healthy defensively, like especially up front. You haven't gotten a full season of Khalil Mack yet. Haven't gotten a full season of Joey Bosa since 2021. You didn't get a full season of J.C. Jackson. I still wonder what they're going to do, especially at the second corner spot. Asante Sanders Jr. is playing nickel now, and he's not even the starting nickel. Jasir Taylor's taking that spot. But schematically, I have a lot of questions because if teams are going to run the ball a whole lot more, the Brandon Staley defense asks a whole lot of 185-pound nickel corners to meet a pulling guard. I don't know about you you guys, but for me, I'm taking the 330-pound guy over your 185-pound nickel every single time. So I just wonder, how good is this defense going to be? They gave up the worst. They had the worst run defense in the league last year. They gave up almost six yards of carry. I don't care how much you say, oh, we stopped explosive passes. It doesn't matter. You're giving up six yards of play. So they're getting a first down every time they run the ball. You, you can run, um, run the ball and down and you're getting air moving the chains so i just wonder what is what is this going to do what's going to happen with this defense it's good that we're all a bit down on the chargers like to your point mark like maybe we've like maybe we've all regressed like past the mean like we're just like we've been hurt too bad because not only are is nobody like and i haven't even seen this take like nationally like generally like you do see like the i don't know man chargers just in her whatever but like uh at least as far as the three of us are concerned not only did none of us pick the chargers to win the afc west boldly None of us have them as a wild card. We all have the Chargers completely left out of the tournament. Um, I don't think that's unfair, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm with you, Mark. Like, not- I mean, it speaks to a couple of different things. One, the questions about this team, both just on the sort of macro level, like, look, we've been burned before, and then the micro level, like JP walked through, like, what are they going to look like on defense? They could not stop the run. Staley's finding it hard to play with light boxes when you don't have Aaron Donald up front. It's a lot different stopping the run when you don't have a player like that. And I also think it speaks to the depth of the AFC. I mean, look at, you know, maybe look past the South for a second. Where are the bad teams? New England, maybe? Like, this is a very, very deep conference. And Indy, yeah, I mean, Denver, maybe? Where are the real bad teams? And so it's just a very deep conference. And there are a lot of teams that, you know, we've each got our three wildcard teams. I think we could each make the case for two or three teams that we might have left off that list. So if I had to ask each of you, like, give me a team you're 100% willing to say won't be a playoff team. Because I like you both like bagged a little bit on the Jets pick, but like I think we can all see like a, a path to the Jets, you know, being a wildcard team, whatever. Um, is there a team? I think the Colts are one, but if maybe a, a non-Colts team that you're willing to say there's zero way, like I will stake my salary on this, they won't be a playoff team in the AFC. To your point, Mark. Raiders? The Raiders. Raiders? I think that's- I mean, as we're talking right now, it seems like right. things are blowing up in Las Vegas right now. So right. I'd say Raiders. Um maybe New England. I mean I'm not willing to, to, a, to put New England in that box. I, that's just it. That's, that's just it. There's a path for them to get it. I think that defense is going to be very good. So you, if they could just get something out of their offense, they could make a run. I think I can talk myself more into the Patriots making the playoffs than the Colts, Texans, or Raiders. So we agree the Colts are the most like center of the box. The Raiders are kind of near the exit a little bit. Maybe the Texans are kind of right by the entrance, um, you know, but it's not inconceivable. Again, like we've both seen, we've all seen that story before, like a team like the Texans getting hot and being the like third wildcard team, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it. Like to your point, Mark, like it's very, very difficult, but Chargers just can't, you know, they're, they're not among the like, you know, seven or eight teams we believe in the most in the AFC, which really says yeah. a lot. 
It does. I mean, it's a very, very deep contest. Okay, let, I, let's get to AFC wild cards. I have the Bills in, so I didn't leave them out entirely. Um, you both have the Dolphins in, so we all are sending two AFC East teams. Uh, Mark and I both have the Ravens. Obviously, JP, you picked them to win the division. You have the Bengals there, though, so again, we just have those flipped and flopped. And then this feels like chalk all the way around. Uh, our third, I don't know that either of you, I didn't like order them. This wasn't like a seeding thing, but we all have the Steelers as the third wildcard team. That feels like a very vogue take right now, JP. Everybody's coming around. Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, TJ Watt, like the Steelers, like, you know, the hype is very, very, very high right now. I wouldn't be a stunner if they beat San Francisco next week or this week and just kind of like started things off with a bang. I wouldn't be surprised. I think the one thing that will always be a thing for the Steelers is that defense is going to play very, very good. And, you know, they're going to have T.J. Watt back for a full season. You improve the defensive secondary by adding Joey Porter Jr. and Patrick Peterson. It's going to be – it's going to look a lot better defensively. Minka Fitzpatrick is still fantastic. Cameron Hayward's still going strong. You added um, – you continue to add on the defensive front with Keanu Benton, who's going to be a monster against the run, and Nick Herbig, who's going to show up in designated passing situations. Offensively, you have the talent. You, ha you have everything there. I think they're going to lean heavily into 12 personnel. They're going to run the football. They're going to want to do that. George Pickens is one of the better contested catch receivers in the NFL. Deont Deontay Johnson's still pretty good. It's just all up to Matt Canada. And that's really, like, the biggest thing. Like, I went back and forth with this, with the Steelers. It wasn't like a shoe-in, like, oh, I absolutely have to have the Steelers in. I went back and forth on a lot of teams with the Steelers because of Matt Canada as offensive coordinator. Last year, it looked really bad. And for the most part, this was the same team, you know? So I wonder how much this offense is going to change under Matt Canada is going to be the same thing. But, you know, they looked a lot better running the football in the preseason this year than they did last year. So I think I'm tentatively buying in on the hype with the Steelers this year. Okay, that's well said. Uh, we still have individual awards and Super Bowl picks to get to, so let's kind of fly through these. We've gone very, very long. Uh, Coach of the year, Mark, you and I both picked Mike Tomlin. JP, uh, you picked Matt LaFleur. You already kind of gave your Packers love. But so it makes sense, Mark, that we all see the Steelers doing well. And if they do, Mike Tomlin, who's never won Coach of the Year, could finally get it done. Um, I heard um, it was uh, Dan Hansis on the latest around the NFL podcast equated it to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio winning the Oscar for The Revenant. Like maybe not his best work ever, but finally getting him his due. Yeah. And I, look, I, I'll piggyback off of a lot of what JP just said about Pittsburgh Steelers. I think a lot of it on the offensive side of the ball, because we know that defense is going to be good, is the 12 personnel stuff. If we do see this return to a bigger style of football, they're built to run that and run it extremely well with Washington, with Firemuth, you know, with Robinson, with Pickens, Najee Harris running the ball out of the backfield. And I was in on Pittsburgh before the whole Kenny Pickett perfect preseason. Like, I think they're building something here. And if it works the way we think it does, yeah, Tomlin is going to be win winning coach of the year, or at least going to be in the running for it. Yeah, I have TJ Watt winning defensive player of the year. So again, like all these things lend to the same narrative and you could see like certain things kind of lining up that way. Uh, Mark, you have Micah Parsons, which I don't think is ridiculous. I do think I would not bet on that. If you look at odds right now, um, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, um, he's the leader. I just would never touch that in general, but I can totally see the Cowboys putting him on ice in fourth quarters and down the stretch because they know he's such an important player uh, to what they want to do in the playoffs. They obviously haven't done that in forever. And so I would not bet on that personally. Uh, JP, you have Miles Garrett, though, breaking through and taking defensive player of the year. So a different AFC North pass rusher. 
Yep, it's going to be about damn time for Miles Garrett to win Defensive Player of the Year. He is the best edge rusher in football for my money, and now you've finally given him a competent secondary pass rusher. And Jim Schwartz is going to do a lot of good stuff with that defense, especially up front. You're going to put Michael Parsons, not Michael Parsons, Miles Garrett in a wide nine. You're going to let him attack the quarterback in a much better, much. It makes a lot more sense than what they were doing in Cleveland last year defensively. I think Miles Garrett is going to have a fantastic year. And I think, I really do think this is going to be the year that he breaks through against DPOI. Um, we'll see. Um, but it'd be hard to, if again, we're all right about the Steelers and if TJ Watt is presumably at the center of that, but um, we'll see offensive player of the year. We went uh, three different directions. JP, you went with Tyree kill, uh, which certainly makes some sense. Although maybe Jalen Watt leads into that production and, and you know, you know how that thing tends to go. Uh, Mark, you have Jamar chase which would make contract negotiations next offseason very, very interesting for the Cincinnati Bengals. I went Garrett Wilson, just kind of doubling down on my Jets thing. Um, I think it would take something like that for the Jets to obviously win the division. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is certainly going to focus on him. So the opportunities will be there at the very least. But Jamar Chase is your pick, Mark. Yeah, I, I think, look, this has sort of become in recent years, like de facto wide receiver, best wide receiver we've seen, you know, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, um, wide receivers have started to win this award. I just love Jamar Chase. I just love his game. I love his physicality at the catch point. I love his physicality on routes. I think he and Burrow, you know, as JP mentioned the meme earlier in the show, like they work on the same page extremely well. And I'm expecting big things from the Bengals, as we'll see in a moment. And I think Chase is going to be a big reason why. Yeah, I am with you to a certain degree um, on the, I mean, I have the Bengals winning the AFC North. JP doesn't believe, so we can make fun of him together. Uh, but yeah. uh, you mentioned MVP, or you mentioned, as we would see why in a moment, I have Joe Burrow winning the MVP. So I could totally see Jamar Chase being a big part of that, kind of being a big uh, catalyst for that. JP, you went with Lamar Jackson, so you are very much all the way in. Mark, uh, you went with Patrick Mahomes, which is difficult to see just because it's so hard to repeat because you have to kind of outdo yourself what you've done the year before. And JP, it'd be very difficult, I think, for Lamar to win it, even in that sense, because when you when you win it a second time, you're often compared to your first season. And Lamar's first MVP year was so exemplary. Mm -hmm. And I think people kind of forgot that Lamar Jackson won unanimous right. MVP in 2019. This was not like it was a close thing. Like he was a unanimous MVP. Lamar Jackson is very, very, very good at football. And now you've given him an actual play caller and Todd Mokin who will accentuate the passing game to his strengths. You've given him some receivers. He's going to be fully healthy. I think that offense explodes. And he's still Lamar Jackson. He can still run the ball and be He's arguably the most dynamic threat in the NFL with the ball in his hands. Like that, as a runner, he is the most electrifying runner in the NFL. So all that just added together, I feel like this is a Lamar Jackson revenge season, Lamar MVP campaign coming up. Um, that's fair. But again, that's where I think Joe Burrow is a better bet. Like he's never won it before. Like Mark, you mentioned how offensive player of the year is kind of a, like the best wide receiver in the NFL award. MVP is kind of obviously the best quarterback season. And unless it's like a stupidly amazing season, it's almost like, okay, who whose turn is it? Like who hasn't had one yet? Um, and Joe Burrow is kind of next in that fault. So I think that's smart. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like he might be next, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. And if anybody can sort of outdo what he's done the year before, it's Patrick Mahomes. Fine. Um, I feel like with Patrick Mahomes is going to be kind of like LeBron. Or like, oh yeah. It, yeah it's You got to have, somebody's going to pick Patrick Mahomes because, it's Patrick Mahomes, but I do yeah. think Joe Burrow, he makes a very strong point, but if he does miss like the first four games of the season, you know, that's, 
it's gonna hurt him because he won't have the same numbers. The the LeBron point is fair, certainly. And like there is like some, you know, I guess like oversaturation with Mahomes for people. Like again, it's very difficult to like outperform your double MVP career, your two time Super Bowl winning career at this point. Like it's it's Patrick Mahomes has to do something stupid amazing now to win a third MVP. It's just very, very hard in that sense. Um so LeBron is a good comp for that. Um wow, nobody picked Josh Allen. That's interesting. Um I mean, I, again, I think that speaks to us all being a little bit down. But you guys both want to talk yourselves into the Bills, JP. I I love Josh Allen. I think he is the second best quarterback in the NFL. I just think there's far too many, like, really dumb things that he does that keeps him away from being MVP over a guy like Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, who have just become extremely efficient buzzsaws. Like, if Josh Allen could, like, cut down a little bit on like the wackadoo nut job shit like hey maybe maybe he would be mvp but if you cut down on that you kind of cut down on what makes josh allen josh allen you take the super crazy high level josh sure. allen stuff with the hey man what are you doing like the play against the steelers in the preseason where he's like stepping up out of the pocket out of pressure he's running away from like four other defenders and almost throws an interception that's just Josh Allen. Like you don't. Yeah, you live with it. You don't go like, "Hey, Josh, don't do that." It's like, "Hey, don't throw an interception on that next time," because that's that's just the Josh Allen game. Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Um, I'll go first, and I started this episode by saying I was very Homer. Um, I have picked the Cowboys to win the NFC, and a lot of this is just trying to like manifest it at this point. Um, I have picked the Bengals, so again, that kind of jives with my Joe Burrow MVP season, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Mark's Jamar Chase season, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm picking the Cowboys to beat them. I think, you know, I and it would be really ironic given Mike McCarthy's like pro football focus stuff that, you know, he obviously went to the headquarters in Cincinnati of all places. Uh, so that'd be really funny. Uh, but uh, I'll take the Cowboys to beat the Bengals and uh, I'm fine being called a homer. But I I believe in a Cowboys team now more than I have ever have, um, at least since I've been doing this professionally. Um, so I'm willing to kind of put my money where my mouth is in that sense. You know, I I get it. I get it with the Cowboys. I I was this close to picking the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl as well. But, you know, I just – so my pick was the Chiefs over the Niners. I think we get a 2019 or Super Bowl 2020 rematch. Um, it's just the Niners have so much talent. Like, I just – I do think with the way that offense looks, with the way that they played last year with being the most efficient offense in the NFL, it would take – Brock Purdy doing like something extremely stupid or Sam Darnold doing something extremely stupid, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. Like this is not a, like Brock Purdy can does really stupid stuff. He just got away with it because you have Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and all those other guys, but they still have them. So I'm just, I'm going to go with the most talented team in the, uh, in the NFC. And then with the chiefs, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. That's fair. I know the Chris Jones thing. I know it's a it's a very massive thing with the, with the Chiefs and Chris Jones, but if they get him before the playoffs, as long as Chris Jones is on that team before you start the playoffs, they'll be fine because you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey. Again, it is very much a LeBron James. I'm not going to pick against whichever team has Patrick Mahomes. Okay, uh, Mark, Super Bowl picks. So I went Bengals over Niners, sort of a Super Bowl 23 revenge tour. Um, you know, on the AFC side, I think 
uh, whoever comes out of the AFC is going to be in a pretty good position to make a Super Bowl, you know, put together a Super Bowl sure. because of how deep the AFC is. I just, again, as I talked about with Cincinnati and we talked about Chase and things like that, I'm a believer in what they've done. I'm a believer in Burrow. You know, on the NFC side, I know I picked the Seahawks to win that division, but I think as we get down to January football, I think that's when you're going to see the talent of that roster around the quarterback position rise. I think that's when you're going to see the experience of this team and making multiple playoff runs sort of come to the forefront. I think this is a team that on both sides of the ball might be built to win, say, in January and February as opposed to September and October. And so I think the Niners are going to be in a very good position to make a run once they get in. And then, I don't know, I just something about Burrow finally getting over that sort of Super Bowl hum, I, I think, plays out this year. Okay. So, um JP, you've got the Chiefs winning it all. Mark, you have the Bengals, and I have the Cowboys. Look at that. Uh, wow, well done. Uh, Rachel, we've talked about a lot of awards, um, but it's time to hand out the most coveted one, the MFW MVP, of course, after you offer your thoughts on everything we had to say for the last hour and change. Yeah, first and foremost, this was a really fun show to listen to. I really enjoyed it. Probably one of my favorite with you guys, so shout out to y'all for that. Um, going through just some of my favorites, starting with RJ, I am on the same side as you when it comes to the Jets. I think I'm bought in, so we're here on that one. But I don't agree with the Texans. I'm wow. sorry, too. Okay. Uh, offensive player of the year, I could see Garrett Wilson, so that was a good one. When it came down to JP, I love the 49ers pick. I see that easy peasy. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't see the Seahawks. I don't believe in them. Um MVP Lamar Jackson, of course. That's my guy, so I'm rocking with you as well. Mark, I love the Lions pick. I think you know, I could see that happening realistically. And also, I really enjoyed your pick on the Super Bowl of uh, Bengals. I could see that happening, honestly. And so today, I'm going to give it to Mark. I think you did a phenomenal job. Well, thank you, friends. It is a prestigious honor, which I will put on the shelf behind me at some point um, when the trophy gets mailed in. Very excited to put that up next to, like, Tom Brady signed stuff and, you know, my Lando Norris McLaren hat. But as always, it's just an honor to be with you three every Monday or Tuesday as today, maybe. Yeah, uh, well, we'll update your Wikipedia page accordingly, Mark. Obviously, uh, Toto won't care. Because uh, people do read right. it. People um, do read Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, congratulations to you. Um, some are saying that you're the Lando Norris of the SB Nation NFL show. Um, so as we sign off, I can think of no better compliment. Yeah, as we sign off, maybe you can tell us who we are, Mark. So you're Lando Norris. So who are Rachel, JP, and I? Well, RJ, you're the Fernando Alonso. You're the veteran. You've been here for a very long time. Uh, JP, you are Oscar Piastri, the dynamic young talent that everybody knows is just going to someday sort of just rise to the top and take charge. But Rachel, you're our Max Verstappen. You are the true hero, the winner, week in and week out the one that runs the entire show and we would be nothing without you. F1 would be nothing without Max Verstappen. Well said. 